feel like life was easier without the booze, you know? And it's funny because we think that it's easier with it, you know, Mm -hmm. during those certain moments, but overall, like my life is easier without that distraction, without feeling like shit. Like, you know, that was the whole reason why I took the year off is I'm like, I don't need any help making myself feel like shit right now. I already (laughs) feel like shit. Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name is Jess. And I'm Haley. And we have a guest joining us today. I am so excited. I've been wanting to interview her for the podcast for a little while. So today we're joined by Maddie Brown, who is a health and fitness accountability coach, certified yoga instructor, and full-time analyst in social services. Online, Maddie passionately shows up to encourage women to love their bodies and take care of their mental health. And a couple years ago, after she experienced a major loss in her life, she decided to take a break from drinking. And that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast today. Maddie, thank you for being here. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. The intro is like so official. (laughs) I know. Reading that intro, I'm like trying to catch my breath. (laughs) Honestly, I just... I'm really excited to have you on because I think you have such a unique perspective to like sober curiosity and navigating a life without alcohol. So I would love if you could start off with just telling us a little bit about what made you take a break from alcohol back when you did. Yeah. So it was back in 2019, which is like, sounds like a million years ago and then not all at the same time. But um, yeah, so my story is kind of long winded, but basically I have always kind of been into partying. I think the first time I ever tried alcohol, I was in middle school. The first time I ever blacked out, I was a freshman in high school. And from there, I was always just kind of like curious and I, you know, experimented a lot in high school and stuff. Um, kind of developed a identity around drinking and being a party girl and that being kind of like part of who I was. Um, in college, the same thing. I was always, you know, eventually I started to gain a tolerance and then I thought I was super cool for being able to like drink the most and things like that. So like that was like goals, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, so that I kind of developed this identity around drinking. Um you know, other, I mean, I did experiment with other things, but other things started to give me anxiety and alcohol was like the one thing that I could go out and have a really good time and, you know, not experience that I would actually be like looser and, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. But eventually, and it was when I was 20 years old, it's um, actually 10 years this month, actually 10 years this week. Um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. So I was 20 going on 21. This is right when I was um, going into, I was going from community college to a four year, getting all of like my acceptance letters and my dad gets diagnosed with cancer and they gave him like six months to live. So it was, you know, just a really crazy time and I didn't really know what was going on with him. Um, I ended up you know, not going to college right away. I stayed back for a semester and he ended up, you know, being able to have some surgeries to prolong his life. Um, you know, a little long story short on that, he, you know, was able to fight cancer for another seven years. But um, so the next year I went to college and 
it was in that next year. And I think it was just a mixture of things in, in terms of anxiety, but I started to develop like panic attacks and different, like, you know, severe anxiety things. And I think part of it was just the normal millennial angst that we all have, but definitely some of it was triggered by, you know, my dad's cancer diagnosis. And then over the next couple of years in like college, I re- I started to notice that alcohol had a huge trigger on my anxiety, you know, the following day, not during, you know, during your all, everything's so fun. But the next day I had, I think a lot of people refer to it as anxiety now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a common term. Yeah. So I started to kind of notice that. Um, and then it wasn't, but like, you know, the thought, the idea of actually quitting drinking was definitely not on my mind. Um, yeah. Especially when you're like in college, like kind of taking on that party girl persona. Exactly. And even after college, you know, I, after college, I got, you know, my county job working for social services. And even then I was still kind of partying and, you know, not really living a very healthy lifestyle. And that's actually when I got into the health and fitness coaching, I started off as just a challenger. And I remember the first boot camp I ever participated in, I um, decided to take 21 days off of drinking, which was a huge deal for me because I hadn't yeah. remembered you know, not drinking for like, I don't know, probably the last time I took that much time off, I was probably a freshman in high school. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people can even think of the last time that they went like three weeks to a month without booze. Exactly. And so I remember feeling so good, but of course, you know, I would went back to like drinking here and there, but it really kind of started this, this kind of challenge for me where every once in a while I would go a month or like even up to like three or four months. And every time I did that, I just felt so good. I didn't have as much anxiety. Of course I still did, but, um, you know, here and there for normal stuff, but I, you know, it was one less trigger, one less distraction. And so, so I had already been kind of experimenting with taking time off from it. And then in 2018, my dad did pass away from cancer. He lost his battle to liver cancer. And, um, with grief, it is definitely something that you can never prepare for. Um, and I can just say right now, if anyone is going through grief, if you, you know, feel like you should have been there more, or whatever feelings that you think you should have prepared or, you know, may, whatever those feelings are. I lived right next door to my dad for the last like three years of his life and was there every weekend, could see him at any time. And I still felt like I didn't have enough time with him. I still felt like I, you know, didn't have that or there's always some kind of regrets or feelings that you have. So just wanted to say that because it's normal. But um, yeah, grief hit me really hard. And it was the first time I had ever felt depressed. And um, I, I mean, you know, grief is probably different than depression, but it was the closest thing I could ever, I literally felt like I was in a dark hole of despair and I had never experienced anything like that. Um, You know, also a personal with anxiety too was hard for me because I was someone who was always super laid back and anxiety was really hard for me to deal with. Um, But, you know, that, so that year I was, having a hard time with that. Then I was, you know, still drinking here and there. And that was triggering for the depression and anxiety. And then, you know, I was obviously in a low place and I let an ex-boyfriend come back into my life who had, I had just broken up with him right before my dad passed. And then he ended up back into my life. And, you know, I was just wanted comfort. I wanted something I knew. And, 
Um, but he ended up being way more of a hot mess than I was. I mean, he was dealing with his own mental health issues, which were actually way worse than mine. Part of me thinks that that's what I liked about it was that he was worse than me, Yeah, you know, in a weird way, but ended up obviously backfiring and being extremely toxic. And, um, so at the, around December, so my dad passed away in June around December. So it was like six months later, I was like, you know what? I need to take a break from a lot of these things, a lot of these distractions that I have in my life, because I do have goals. I wanted to, you know, go with my health and fitness routine or my health and fitness business. And I, you know, wanted to, I realized I really needed to focus on my healing that I hadn't actually spent the time to heal from losing my dad. And I was done with the distractions of drinking and I was done with actually boys too. I was like, I'm taking a break from everything. I even decided to you know, take a break from me. I, I don't know. I was, it was a weird, I was like, you know, 2020 or no, 2019, taking a break from everything. Yeah, all the toxic shit. You're yeah. like, I'm going to get rid of meat and eat plant-based <laughs> yeah, too. Exactly. Um, but the main thing was alcohol because I knew that was a huge trigger for me. I knew I was happier and healthier without it. So, mm-hmm. and, the, and like you mentioned, the idea of taking forever off was just way too much for me. Yeah. Um, it was just forever felt too forever. It just felt too permanent. But and a year felt like a really long time too. But I, I knew I had gone a few months before, so I was like, if I can go a few months, I can go a whole year. That's just a few months times four, and then it's done. Yeah, I think um, it's really cool because you had had the experience of like feeling good from the past challenges that you did, so mm-hmm. you knew that this is something that could actually help you while you were going through this grieving process. So I'm glad that you had those short stints beforehand too. Exactly. So that was a huge motivator or part of like why I knew it would be really helpful. And part of me also just, I did, the idea forever was appealing to me, but also felt too much. Mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, so if I do a year and I go through all of the things that happen in a year, all of the events and the parties and the different and the holidays and all the things that you would go through in one year, then if I ever wanted to make the decision to do it forever, then I would know I could do it. And so that's awesome. So that was kind of like my thought process. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if at the end of the year I decided I wanted to keep going, then that was, that was cool too. Yeah. I feel like you like really gave yourself the opportunity. Like you made the commitment for the year, which is a big enough commitment for you to have all of the lessons within that time period. Like I love your mindset going into it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like aside from the idea of like forever being intimidated, like when you were in the midst of this year off, what was it that felt like challenging for you? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, most of it wasn't that challenging. You know, I had already, I already live a pretty healthy lifestyle. So the only times that it was actually hard was, you know, like going to a wedding. And at the time I was super single, I had like, you know, given up dudes, right? So (laughs) I was going to weddings by myself solo and sober. And, you know, it was definitely like challenging to not lean on something. Um, I also went to like a bachelorette party in, in Cabo. And of course, everyone's taking shots. And I'm like the weirdo who's not, or, you know, not weirdo, but like kind of felt like the weirdo who's like being a total 
you know, lame. Yeah, you feel like you're like a social outcast, like everybody else can do it. And then you're just like the one standing there that's like not doing it. Exactly. But you know, it's always just moments. And that's what I always tell people is that it's just a passing moment. I think the biggest thing for me, the hardest part for me was going to a really nice restaurant and wanting to have a glass of wine or like a craft cocktail. That was the hardest part for me. It wasn't yeah. even like the going out and getting wild because I was like, I know I'm not going to have a hangover tomorrow. You, you bitches are fucked tomorrow. You know, kind of thing. Like, I know I'm going to wake up and feel great and do a workout. And, you know, so but it was yeah. those nicer. I'm like, I just want one glass of wine. I actually remember me and you went to a retreat for coaching and I was sitting next to you and that was during my year of off. Mm-hmm. You had just, um, you started to going through your journey of like, like your no boost. What do you call it? No boost journey? Or well, your- I, well, I say alcohol free. That's a better yeah. way to say it. That sounds way better. Um, and I remember sitting next to you and everyone had a glass of wine and I was like, oh, I really wish I could. And then I asked you if you missed it or and you're like, nope. And I'm like, dang it. I wish I didn't miss it. Well, I was never the type of person that like ordered a glass of wine with dinner. I was always the type of person that just gave into peer pressure. True. You only really drank like when you were like at a party yeah. type thing. Like you weren't really the one to like drink at home or like yeah. anything like that. Yeah. You're like, I'm on a mission here. Yeah. You know, something I thought was really interesting, Maddie, that you said when you were talking about like being at the wedding and being like single and being like the only sober one and like how awkward that felt. Like I've definitely been in social events where I'm not drinking and I feel that awkwardness. And then I remember I'm like, nobody around here is even realizing that I'm not drinking, but I feel like I stick out like a fucking sore thumb. You know what I mean? Just because you feel so awkward personally. But you just like they have to remember like nobody else, everyone else is wasted. They're not paying attention to how many drinks I've had. (laughs) Like exactly. And like one wedding was like it depends on the situation. Like one wedding, I was like put at a table with a bunch of you know different couples and people who knew each other, and I felt like an outsider already. Yeah. So like the drinking, then like I wish I was just like. If I had a little bit more liquor, maybe I would like be more social with these people kind of thing. But I actually was totally fine. Um, And then the other wedding I went to, I sat with like a bunch of girls who were like, didn't really know each other. And so, and that was a blast. And we all hung out and like danced all night. And Oh, that sounds so fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it just kind of depends on the situation, right? Like, honestly, in the former situation, even if I did have alcohol, I still probably would have been socially awkward and like felt like a Mm -hmm. little bit on the outside. So like, I really don't even think that alcohol would have made a difference. Yeah. I think in both cases, it definitely made me stronger and, and felt more like, self-reliant rather than, you know, having to rely on a substance to feel comfortable. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes it's like the substance just like kind of makes us not as aware of the fact that we feel uncomfortable. It's kind of like a numbing thing that we do. Exactly. Whereas it's like you, I don't know. I just feel like it's like the quick way to like get through the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like you can get that experience without the booze too. Exactly. I'm kind of curious, like you talked about just remembering that you weren't going to be hungover and like like that helped you stay committed. Mm-hmm. But was there anything else that like really helped you kind of stay on track with your year off? Yeah, I'm, I think I was very public about it too, just because I am kind of, you know, 
on social media and like for my coaching business. So I was very vocal about my year off. And I think that really helped me um, just yeah. because I am super honest and I'm someone like of my word. So like posting about it was really helpful. So I think yeah, it like that- holds you accountable in a way. Exactly. And I think like, you know, you find other people who are relating to you and like you talk to them. And so it definitely does make you feel 100% more accountable. Yeah. Well, I even love some of the stuff that you share now, like some of the reels you've put up, like Mm -hmm. when you like have a headache after like one or two glasses of wine. I just think it's so cool that the way that you kind of share about your sober curiosity even now, mm-hmm. like it's like, even though you do drink, like I feel like you can really just like showcase what it means to be sober curious, you know? Um, yeah. Well, sometimes I still think about going back and taking more breaks because, or like forever, because to be totally honest, I feel like life was easier without yeah. the booze, you know? And it's funny because we think that it's easier with it, you know, during mm-hmm. those certain moments, but overall, like my life is easier without that distraction, without feeling like shit like you know that was the whole reason why I took the year off is I'm like I don't need any help making myself feel like shit right now I already (laughs) feel like shit like I like I if I can eliminate anything that could make me feel like if I can control anything which is this is one of those things then I'm gonna do it yeah I think you said that so well it's like you feel feel like shit on your own like why add any fuel to the fire exactly Um, how do you feel like you kind of benefited from taking a break from booze? Yeah, that year was probably one of both extremely healing and very growth. Like I had so much growth in that year. Um, you know, especially taking time off of both booze and dudes. So like, if you are someone who, you know, struggles with like alcohol, but if you also struggle with dating, I feel like, so I mean, I didn't take um, time off of guys for the whole time. I think it was about the first eight months. And then that first like six months, um, it was challenging, but I spent so much time really focusing on self-forgiveness because I had some, some like shame around going back to that ex and going into a toxic place and things like that. And had like, you know, some regret around my dad and all these different things. I went to therapy and just spent a lot of time on that and really focused on my energy on healing and becoming a better person. And, and it really helped. And then around the six month mark of, um, you know, going sober for that year was also the one year mark for my dad's passing. And that was, I remember that being like a a significant turning point to how I felt and just feeling like myself again. And so the next couple months I was feeling better and better. And then by like August, I was, you know what? I think I I think I could date again. I feel like I'm ready to get hurt, you know? um, I don't know. I just was like really feeling myself and feeling like, wow, I'm too much of a catch. Like that's how good I was feeling about myself. I was like, I'm too much of a catch to be sitting at my house meditating every day. I need to like go have some fun. It's time. So, um, so yeah, around like that time is when I, and I really went into that with, and so then I was dating sober, which was a whole new experience for me. I had literally had never gone on a date sober before. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I mean, not that I had like got messed up every single time I went on a date, but like I had never not ordered a glass of wine or had some kind of drink too, or, you know, had a drink before the date or something. So, and that was even better. I felt like I had, if I was making connections, there were really true connections and not just based on, you know, being a little bit buzzed and like my, my heart was in the right place with like where, what I was looking for, even though really I went into it just like, I just want to have some fun. Like I'm just ready to have some fun and go on some dates. And, um, I didn't go on very many before I met my now boyfriend. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if you're into like spiritual things, like manifesting or whatever. We definitely are. I really do think that like the energy I went into with those dates of just one already being super healed and in a good place emotionally and energetically and, um, you know, being sober, I really think that that attracted me or attracted me to a good person, but attracted a good person in me because before that I really struggled with like toxic relationships. And, um, that was also like a really big turning point for me. So let's take a quick break and talk about our sponsor for today's episode. Feeling imperfect, insecure, or inadequate? How do you show kindness, self-acceptance, gratitude, and compassion towards yourself every day? Mental health is a journey and Switch Research delivers expert guidance along the way. Their mission is to provide you with effective, easily accessible mental health resources to help you become a happier, more resilient you. Switch Research partners with psychologists, clinical therapists, researchers, psychiatrists, and more who have years of academic and clinical experience under their belt to provide evidence-based journals and digital work courses. I got their journal a few months or a few weeks ago now, and it's a journal that you do every day. And I can just say like, it is so amazing. I'm such a journal person though. So I'm just like, I love having the prompts to like do, um, I can't decide if I like doing it in the morning or the night better. I just really can't make up my mind. I've kind of switched between the two, but I just really like it because it's just someplace I can get all of my thoughts down in a, and I have a hard time with like the blank journals, mm-hmm. right? Cause I have so many thoughts and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. But it. this has like the perfect prompts. It's all about self-love and like learning to love yourself, learning to like take care of yourself. It's just literally perfect. But you can transform negative thoughts into self-love and you can actually use our code socialsoul20 today at switchresearch.org and get 20% off of your purchase. And now let's go back to the episode. But yeah. So you upped your standards a little bit by like removing the booze. Exactly. And was able to take off the filter and and find a, a real, a more true and authentic connection that was really based on who I was. Um, And, you know, by this point, I had really worked on no longer identifying with a party girl. I was like the sober girl or I was the healthy girl or, you know, just finding a new identity for myself that felt better and more aligned and, you know, helped me attract someone who was more in alignment with where I wanted to go and not who I was. Yes. Um, That's so amazing. Yeah. I'm really excited for somebody to listen to this who is like sober in dating because I think that that's a really powerful thing that you just shared. Yeah. I 100% recommend going on sober dates. Even if you aren't sober curious, I would definitely recommend it because you just 
you really get to, it's definitely empowering because it's another one of those challenges, but, um, and it just feels good to be yourself and, and it feels good to make those on it, awkward, authentic connections. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you have to embrace the awkwardness and just like go with it. Yeah. It's just part of life. Like everyone gets anxious. Everyone gets nervous. Everyone like, those are all totally normal human feelings. And rather than numbing it, like feeling that full experience was necessary. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, do you want to share what your relationship is like with alcohol now? Yeah. So I feel like it definitely changed. I remember the first, so New Year's Eve, I spent it with my, my boyfriend and we're really early on in the relationship at that time, but it was like a full year and we went out and I had champagne at midnight, but like I was on the dance floor. And so like half the champagne, like was like (laughs) (laughs) on the dance floor. Exactly. So I didn't even get drunk. But, um, and then after that, I remember kind of slowly stepping into it. Like it felt like almost taboo. Um, I did know that towards the end, I knew I was probably going to drink again. Um, just because I did miss having those like wine nights and things like that. And I was like, you know, I'm, I think I can do it. And if I start again and I think, okay, this is not for me. I know I can quit without a problem because I just spent that year. So, um, so I kind of like tiptoed into it a little bit and was like a little bit nervous, but, um, I definitely feel like my relationship has changed with it for sure. I don't feel, I don't drink as much as I definitely prior. And now, you know, like I mentioned in my reels, I have like two drinks and I feel it, you know, when Mm -hmm. you start to really get extremely healthy without booze and you realize how good you feel, like when you even have two drinks, you feel that and you might not be super hungover, but like you just feel any kind of like energy shift. And for me, like my energy is everything to me. And so it's kind of like not worth it, but you know, I still have those moments of doing the brunches and the wine and things, but it's definitely not to the extent that it used to be. All of that sounds like so similar to like an elimination diet that people do with food, right? So like, why not try it with booze and just take it out? And then like you said, you take it out for so long and then you have it again. And if you instantly are feeling terrible again, all of a sudden that's like, hey, red flag, maybe you should keep this out. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I mean, you know, it is kind of easier said than done. Even now I'll still have like moments where I'm like, maybe I should go back to not drinking but then I still struggle with feeling like man like that would I would feel like I'm missing out on you know such and such events or like you know but so that is still something that I am kind of working through yeah I mean I definitely I get it I feel like booze has intertwined its way into legitimately like every single aspect of life you know so it's like you can hardly escape it so it makes sense that it's like holy shit how can I do my life without it but I love that you gave yourself like the year off to like find that confidence and now Mm -hmm. it's like you know that you can if you ever want to in the future exactly and I still like if I you know put my mind I'm like hey you know what I'm not I might go to something that's going to be like 
heavy booze and I'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to drink today. I have something I'm doing tomorrow that I don't want to feel shitty for. Right. Like yeah. it's actually not that, I mean, it's, it's always, it's difficult like momentarily, but knowing that I'm going to feel great later, knowing that I'm going to feel great the next day is all the motivation that I need to, to know, like it's not worth it. So that's helpful too. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the one thing I always tell people to think about is like, think about what you're glad to be missing out on, you know? Exactly. And it's, yeah, the high of like, you know, having fun for a few hours is definitely never worth the low of feeling anxious or depressed or whatever triggers that you get the next day. And I mean, for me, I'm just, I'm highly ambitious and I want to be able to use my time. I already am very easily distracted. So anything that's going to inhibit me is not, is not my fave. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was kind of curious too, because I know you kind of shared a little bit of like what you'd like to say to somebody who's experiencing grief, Mm -hmm. but is there anything else that you'd kind of like to share with somebody who's maybe like had a traumatic thing or like a major loss in their life who, who feels like they're in that kind of like deep state of despair and just like anxious and just kind of stuck there. Yeah. I mean, I think over the last year and grief can look so different. It can come in a million different situations, whether it's the loss of like a parent or a person, or it's the loss of a relationship, or maybe it's the loss of a a job. I know so many people lost their jobs or, you know, just like the loss of what you think something might be like, maybe, you know, you're grieving your dream wedding that you thought you were going to have in 2020, like, you know, everything like there's so many different levels of grief. And I think everyone experienced that the last year. And the one thing that I would say to someone who is going through grief is that it gets better. And I think that's the hardest thing because when you're deep in it, it's hard to see that like light at the end of the tunnel. It really feels like it's going to be forever. And and every day just feels like the longest day of your life. And it goes like that for a while. But eventually, you know, you just have to feel all of it. And that's a big part of why I really encourage if you are going through a hard time, whether it's a breakup or a grief or anything, to be sober and feel those feelings and, and, and you know, deal with them and not try to push them down and not try to numb them or, or not try to label them as bad because they're not. They're there for a reason. They're serving a purpose and, you know, it is get better and you learn so much from it. I always say like, you know, my dad was always my greatest teacher and losing him was probably one of my greatest lessons that he ever taught me. And, and I don't want to minimize how, you know, shitty the whole situation is. And, you know, I, obviously I would do anything to have my dad back, but that, that experience taught me so much and it gave me so much more depth of emotion and empathy and compassion and love. And, you know, sometimes we go through these lows to really appreciate the highs that you feel. And, um, you know, I feel like some people you'll hear when you're grieving, like, Oh, it doesn't get people will say like, Oh, you'll always feel that loss. And sometimes that's the worst thing to say to someone because when you're in the the deep grief, you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be forever. Like how the fuck am I going to deal with this for the rest of my life? This is awful. And, but it's not, it, it gets better. 
the timeline for everyone is going to be different. You know, for me, it was around the one year mark that I started to really feel better. And I have to say, I did work really freaking hard on that. Um, Not that like, no matter how much work you can do, it can still take years and years and nothing can ever replace that person or that loss in your life. But, you know, it does, you just have to take it day by day and it does get better. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was amazing. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to wrap it up here. If you want to let our listeners know where they can come find you on social media and how they can stay connected with you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram mostly. I mean, I've tried to dabble in TikTok, but I cannot for the life of me figure it out. (laughs) I'm trying. Um, But I love Instagram. You can find me at Coach Maddie Brown. It's uh, Coach M-A-D-D-Y Brown, like the color. Um, And yeah, that's where I'm at. Yay. We will make sure that we link that in the show notes. I so appreciate you being on and being so open and vulnerable as you share this piece of your story. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maddie. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.